This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. This is Dr. Daniel Israel. I'm your host this morning on Discam Medical Mondays. We are now joined by two very interesting guests to continue our discussion on dementia, old age, and how to make this part of your life just much more functional, respectful, and dignified and healthy. And these two special guests are Barry Kaganson and Danielle Oswald, who both will work for, run, and have envisaged a wonderful organization and company called Aurea Senior Living. So I'm going to welcome to the show. I'm going to start with you, you, Barry, and I'm I'm going to say to you, well done for really founding and, and starting an organization that does so much for so many people and seems to be really growing and expanding. And I've certainly seen that as a GP in, in recent years. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, about you know, how you came to doing this and what your organization's about? Thanks very much for having us on the show. So Aurea Senior Living was started in about 2016 when I realized that um, options for older adults in South Africa were very limited. You know, overseas, the uh, what we call the senior living space is far more commercially than it is in South Africa. So in, in countries like Australia and New Zealand and America, there are lots of commercial operators who've been running these senior living communities for many, many years. But South Africa was somewhat behind in what you could call possibly or what used to be called, although we don't like using the term, retirement villages. Um, and they were often seen as a, as a step down for older people. And they were a place where you... Um, where you go when you have to rather than when you want to. And I realized that there was an opportunity to create an environment that is actually good for people's lives. In other words, where people can go in fully independent and actually have their lives enhanced uh, with a peace of mind of knowing that if and when they need care, and I'll get onto that in a minute, but if and when they need care, it's available to them. But more importantly, they have options on a daily basis of social and wellness activities and multiple dining options and really living in in a supportive attractive, modern, appealing environment where they are far better off on a day-to-day basis without the hassles of daily living, which are taken care of for them. And they have multiple options to socialize and to enjoy themselves on a daily basis, which is far better for them and is actually a life enhancement rather than what traditional retirement villages were often seen as the other way around. The other reason we don't use the word retirement, by the way, is that retirement is actually generally uh, it's like a financial term. So, for example, you could be 55 and retired. You don't work. Does that mean you should be living in a senior living community? Absolutely not. But you could be 85 years old and working. So you're not retired. But does that mean you should be living in a senior living community? Absolutely. Because it's designed and it's, it's purpose built around people of a certain age based on their needs at that stage of their life. So, for example, we have a resident who's actually an orthopedic surgeon. He's 85 years old and still works. Should he be living in a, in a retirement village or in a senior living community? Absolutely, he should be. So that's really what we do. So it's a full continuum of care. Most of our residents are completely independent. And of course, if the time comes where people need some kind of assisted living or more support or dementia care, which I know we'll talk about later, which is really the topic of the show, it's all there and it's available to them. And I think the big misperception or misconception about senior living is that it's the start of some kind of inevitable decline for older people. And the truth is that... It's not the case at all. There's, it's a small percentage of people who ever need full-time care living in a, in, in a senior living community. Most people live fully independent lives for a long, long time. So, so this perception that one is going into a depressing environment to precipitate some kind of decline is, is very old school thinking, and it's absolutely not what we're about at all. 
Our communities are vibrant, attractive places where people live full, fulfilling lives. Um, a big emphasis on, on well-being and on social activities and on continued learning uh, and really on having a, a vibrant life um, where in a community of like-minded friends. And uh, so, so that's really what, what, what it's all about, with, of course, the peace of mind of knowing that care and assistance is available 24-7 whenever one needs it and at very, very short notice by people that you know. So that's really what senior living is all about. So I think you've really touched on the important points here of when a person feels that they are a candidate for senior living, often that's a very big inclusion criteria or a very big identifier for someone who is a candidate. And you said you have people who work and who still live there. And at the same time, and I don't want to say on the other end of the spectrum, but somebody who perhaps is less independent and be- or becomes less independent and needs the assisted care, you're really catering across that whole facility. Now, I know that amongst my own patients, when we discuss the idea of them moving from an independent apartment or flat to somewhere where there's assisted living, the the biggest concerns is the loss of of independence or autonomy. And I suppose, you know, no one wants to feel like they're living in an institution. Would you say that that those are two points that your facility can just elaborate more on how your facilities address? I think those are very valid points in that it's often what people, it's often the perception that people have. And it's often something that people think about and, and one of the reasons that they are sometimes averse to the idea of moving out of their apartment. But the truth of the matter is, for someone who's independent, being in a senior living community or, or even someone who needs some assistance, being in a senior living community actually enhances their independence. It doesn't take it away because there's there's so many activities of daily living and day-to-day issues that come into people's lives that are taken care of that actually enable them to be more independent, if that makes sense. Just the basic fact that there is some kind of monitoring, for example. So let's just take a, a relatively simple example of a resident who goes for a walk every day at 10 a.m. in the morning. For example, our staff would know that Mrs. So-and-so goes for her walk every morning at 10 a.m. And they know that she comes back at, uh, let's say, 10.30. And if she didn't come back at 10.30, then they would know there was a problem. So there's that element of peace of mind, which actually enhances one's independence, knowing that there is some kind of baseline assistance, let's say, that enables one to live one's life with a peace of mind of knowing that there is some form of safety net. So from that perspective, we believe uh, independence is enhanced. There's also, you know, the mundane issues of of life, uh, home maintenance and arranging lifts to doctors and medication management and all these kind of things which are taken care of, which gives people actually more time to do the things that give meaning and purpose to their lives. In other words, it, it really just frees up one's time and it takes the hassle and the worry of, for example, making sure your medicine arrives from the pharmacy takes that hassle and that stress out of life. So it really is a life enhancement for older people. And I think the perception, as you correctly say, is that um, that old institutionalized perception of retirement village or of senior living is very much changing and changed. And that's why what I said when I meant that South Africa was way, way behind in this industry uh, is that that's what a lot of the facilities here were. But that is certainly changing, both globally and in South Africa. So I think your your point is correct, but I think people need to actually, in a way, come have a look at, at how people live in these communities, and they'll see that that perception is actually somewhat outdated. This is Dr. Daniel Israel. I'm speaking to Barry Kaganson and Daniel Oswald, who are the founders and care manager, respectively, of Aurea Assisted Living, or I should say Senior Living Facilities. There's so much in today's show, and we're learning so much both on on the medical level about dementias and mental health, but also about just the different changes that happen in life. As soon as we come back from this break, I'd like to ask you, Barry, just a little bit about 
you know, how you got into this. We're interested in you, how you started this whole organization. And also just if you could just touch on, before we get to speak to Danielle about the clinical things, if you could just touch on what your facilities are, where they are for someone who doesn't know and more about it. So right back after this. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. Welcome back to the show. I'm talking to Barry Kaganson, who founded the Aurea Senior Living Group. So interesting to see what's being done for the elderly in our community and those who are very independent, but all the way to those who are less independent. And today we have been speaking about dementia um, and cognitive well-being. So, you know, I'd like to just give for a few moments, take a bit of a detour here and ask Barry to tell us, how did you come to thinking about this? This isn't just a business idea. And what are your facilities? I mean, for someone who doesn't know about the group, where are they? Are they just in Johannesburg? How, how many are there? Etc. So I'll tell you what, what actually kind of piqued my interest, if, if I can use that term, is that some years ago, um, my grandmother was in her 90s in Cape Town. We were trying to get her to move into a retirement village because, I mean, even though she was mentally 120%, she was uh, obviously in her 90s and, and getting somewhat frailer. And she absolutely refused because none of them were appealing to her. None of them, none of them, you know, the, the, the biggest competition, if I can say, for senior living communities is not other senior living communities. It's people wanting to remain in their existing homes, in their existing apartments or houses or whatever it is. And it was exactly the same. There was just nothing appealing for her to move into any of these places. She didn't want to go to any of for various reasons. You know, as, as you kind of, as you said earlier, the depressing environments, nothing to do, feeling like there was a loss of independence. The facilities were, were, were outdated. You know, food was terrible, et cetera, et cetera. All these stereotypes that are associated with retirement villages, there's a reason for it because a lot of them are like, and there was nothing that was appealing to her. And I observed over the next couple of years, you know, because she her, she couldn't get around as easily anymore, how, you know, her life became sort of smaller in a way. So she would stop playing bridge, which she used to do every day, and she couldn't get around, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I thought there just must be a, a, a better way to do it or, or, or something that should be appealing to people. So instead of staying in your apartment, there should be something pulling you in, saying, no, no, there's something better than where you're living. And I started looking into it, and I realized that South Africa, as I said earlier, I realized that South Africa was way, way behind where other countries were. And that's really what, what got me interested in this and, and, and started doing it. So just in terms of the second part of your question, as already said, you're living where our uh, communities are. We have a, our flagship continuing care community in, in Bryanston is called San Serino. And that is a full continuum of care, independent living, assisted living, uh, supportive care and dementia care. We have about 350 residents. Uh, 212 houses and apartments. They range from about 60 to 180 square meters. And um, uh, those accommodate all our residents on about a 13-hectare site. We have a, a gym, a wellness center, indoor swimming pools, coffee shop, restaurant with a, with a chef who was at one of, the, one of the top hotels. We have um, a hairdresser. We have daily Pilates, Tai Chi classes, biokinetics, a physiotherapist. And, of course, we have a full care center which comprises assisted living, dementia care, and supportive care, which Danielle runs. And she'll, she'll talk a bit more about that later. Then we have uh, Melrose Manor, which is in Melrose, which I think a lot of the listeners might know about, Koenig Avenue, and that's more independent and assisted living, and that's an apartment community, but again with a, with a full wellness center, with a, a gym and bio, kineticist, physio. We've got cinemas I didn't mention. We have cinemas in all our communities, bridge clubs. Obviously, bridge and various card games are quite popular. We have um, similarly a heated pool there and various activity rooms and all the same sort of uh, exercise and, and, and social activities on a daily basis. We also have a community in Cape Town, which is about, uh, which is home to about 
of around 300 residents, and that's in the southern suburbs. And uh, we're very excited. We've launched a new a new build development on the Royal Johannesburg Golf Course on the Sandringham side on Edward Avenue. That's called Royal View, and that will be complete towards the end of next year. And that'll be 122 apartments with all the amenities and care facilities that I just mentioned at the other two communities. So it's also a full continuum of care. Most of it is completely independent living, but with these what we what I guess one what could call resort style. Um, facility. So really what it is, is for, for, for our independent residents, which is the vast majority of them, it's kind of like living in a, in a, in a resort or like almost on a cruise ship. You know, you've got all these facilities available to you, concierge facilities, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you can live your life with as much assistance. When I say assistance, I mean as much hospitality services as you would require or nothing. If you want to completely do your own thing, then, then you can, then you can do that too. So it really is just a different way of living for older people, which is a, a complete life enhanced, but with a peace of mind of knowing that if any care is needed or any support is needed, it's available when you want it, how you want it. And I think that's also important. The statistics are that adults over the age of 85, 40% of adults over the age of 85 require assistance with two or more activities of daily living. So I think that's quite an important thing for people to remember as they get older is that, and those activities can be anything as simple as, as, as medication management or, or, you know, meal preparation to other things such as assistance with dressing or personal hygiene, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole range of activities that people could need assistance with. But the important thing is to know that if one needs it, it's on hand and it's available within the community uh, at very short notice. And that's really the peace of mind uh, of living in a community like that. Is that. If your needs change, and I stress if your needs change, because this, this decline that people have this perception of in their heads is not correct. Uh, but if one's needs change, then uh, people are on hand uh, to assist you. I must say it's very impressive, especially the breadth that's, that this, that you've developed this into. And I can certainly attest to so many, call them patients, they're patients to me who are, who are happy and living independently in, in your facilities. I, I know you have a, another commitment now. So, you know, just before you go, if I could ask you, I would imagine that the, that the, the biggest uh, factor that makes that often makes it a big, the, the decisions to whether to go to one of your type of facilities or to, especially for our listeners, something that's maybe more community-based or is really just financial ability and, 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 and cash flow and daily, uh, monthly costs. Are these facilities only for people who are very financially well off or are there different like levels, so to speak, of accommodation and of facilities so that really it's, it is affordable for a vast majority of South Africans, if one could say that, in our community. So we do have a range of pricing options, let me say, a range of different accommodation from small to large. And I do believe that there is a, a, something for everyone in all our communities. That's on the on the on the purchase of a of a unit, and then there's there's monthly service costs as well. And I think the important thing about these monthly costs is if one looks at what what it would cost you to live independently in your house or in an apartment, wherever it is. And you add up the, all those costs and you compare it to what our monthly charges are. It's pretty much the same. But what you're getting is a professionally managed community and you're getting the benefit of economies of scale, uh, to, to actually get, enhance what you have available to you on a daily basis, roughly for, for, for the same price. So, so I do think it is, um, affordable for, for a lot of people, for most people, uh, certainly most of the listeners to the show, I would think. Uh, but again, uh, there are various price points. So there are p- people can, can come and consider living in our communities, um, with a wide variety of pricing options available to them. So I do believe so, yes. What can I say? Very well done. Uh, very, very inspiring. And I think it's a, re- it's a real eye opener for people that they living in these facilities is not a step down to the inevitable decline, as we've heard from 
from Dr. Fuller and, and, and now from you from a different perspective, but really is, is a change in, in life and lifestyle and something that caters for future changes should they happen. So well done. Thanks for being with us. And I'm really looking forward to speaking to Danielle, to Danielle Oswald, who's the care manager at Oreo to speak about just, you know, in general, what the, particularly the dementia programs, what's done and how we can cater for our senior community members who may need that assistance. Thanks for being with us, Barry. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Thanks so much. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. Welcome back to Discam Medical Mondays. This is Dr. Daniel Israel, and I'm hosting a show today on the elderly cognitive well-being and decline, dementia, etc. And we've just spoken to Barry Kaganson, who founded Aurea Senior Living. And now I've got the privilege of interviewing Danielle Oswald, who's the care manager at Aurea Senior Living. And I think that what's really important here is to hear from someone who really deals with the clinical side of things. Um, you know, what facilities like this, these facilities are doing for patients who need this type of care. It's, it's wonderful to have you on the show. Well, welcome to the show, Danielle. Thank you, Dr. Israel. Can you comment for me just to start off on a bit on what, the changes that we've seen in the community in terms of, uh, we know that it's World Alzheimer's Day, and it has, it has just been, and there seems to be just more of, a, of, of an incidence of Alzheimer's. You, you know, what is the prevalence of Alzheimer's disease and dementia? Why the numbers in, seem to be increasing? And then we can talk a little bit about what you guys do to, for these these patients. With Alzheimer's and dementia, we can we can clearly see, and I think especially you know with with a lot of your listeners, they they know of someone that is affected by this disease. They either have it themselves or they've got a family member. And the reason why we're seeing this increased prevalence is because people are aging. The amount of older people that we're getting, just because of the, the excellent type of medical care that 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 is at our is accessible to everybody. So you have a lot more um, older people and um, with with the elderly, one of the things that we have to consider is how dementia and Alzheimer's will then affect um, these individuals. So if we look at some of the statistics um, and a lot of our statistics we get from, from the U.S. and from other countries just uh, in terms of, of sample sizes, but you're looking at, um, if you're looking at the old, you know, older people, um, you've got a decrease of about 7.3% of heart diseases in, in the elderly. But then, when you're looking at Alzheimer's disease, there's been an increase with 145%. So a lot more people that are getting dementia and Alzheimer's because there's just generally a lot of older people. And then also other risk factors like pre-existing conditions, um, cardiac conditions, high cholesterol. Um, so we're looking at all of these ge- genetics. All of these play a factor in developing Alzheimer's. But of course, it's not just, you can't just say that if, if your cholesterol is perfect that, you know, you won't develop this. But there's also a lot of type of lifestyle changes that people can follow to try and prevent it. So definitely the prevalence has been increasing and then also then we're looking at COVID and how COVID has affected the amount of people that have dementia. So during the COVID pandemic, there's been an increase in sick with 16% 
with people with with older persons with dementia. So we know that it is also something with COVID that we are looking out, and especially in our communities, that we know that some of our residents that um, have been diagnosed with COVID that we are looking at some confusion and the rest, and you know if. If that's reversible, then we support them through that. But then if it's not, that we also provide the necessary support. So, and, and, and as we heard earlier, and uh, Dr. Fuller and I, I would just bring this up again, that it's it's obviously not just as a result of the COVID direct physiological effects to the brain, but it's, I would imagine, the isolation, the lifestyle changes, the the, the, the real lockdown, so to speak, of, 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 of our of our elderly has also has had that negative impact on them as well. I mean, have you seen that in your facilities? Not in your facilities, but in people coming into your facilities for admission. I completely agree. We've, you know, I think with the elderly, it, it was uh, prevalent. It was, it was like that for even the younger generations, where people were isolating to try and keep themselves safe, and rightfully so. You know, um, we say we say we need to distance from one another, try to avoid public spaces, and all of that. And with the older person, you know, they are already at a higher risk of having severe disease when it comes to COVID. So uh, the isolation has been real, and within within communities, we could see during the the first wave what what isolation did uh, with our residents um, and we tried also within the communities if you keep your community as safe as possible and you test every single person around so we had all of our staff that we tested on a weekly basis to try and avoid COVID from entering when we were testing all of our residents when it was needed so you try to keep your communities as safe as possible to say that you know what whether they live in a community like this or they stay in their own homes that you can keep the figures as low as possible. But definitely in terms of isolation, people coming in and that they've really deteriorated according to their family members. It has been it has been quite a struggle for a lot of people. And then after they move in, I think we were at a point where we could see how we can um, uh, socialize in an acceptable way, you know, that people still get that interaction. The most important thing is, is that with engagement, you know, you, you need an engagement between the residents, you need an engagement between the staff members and the residents. I'm going to stop you here and say to you, this, we're going to come back after this break and just in the last couple of minutes of our show, we're going to sum up what your facilities are doing to keep people independent and exactly what you're talking about because social distancing shouldn't, I always tell my patients, it's really a misnomer of a word. We shouldn't be socially distancing from people. We should be physically separating from people but keeping up the independence and at the same time the social exposure. I'll be back shortly. This is Medical Monday Brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. Welcome back to the last part of our show, Discam Medical Mondays. I'm speaking to Danielle Oswald, the care manager of the Aurea Senior Living Group. And she's really, her, her and her, her partner, Barry Cugginson, have really told us a lot about what can be done for patients who have dementia and do have cognitive impairment. Danielle, you started there telling me about how we can make sure that people still remain independent and how we can make sure that they don't decline as fast as they might otherwise. Do you want to spend the last couple of minutes just telling us a little bit more about what you guys suggest in terms of home, at home, and in your facilities regarding this? Definitely. So 
looking at a couple of things um, to maintain independence for as long as possible. And firstly, we're looking at staying active and involved um, because that keeps you in touch. It reconnects you with other people. And having people to talk to and spend time with can help you feel supported and understood. And then it's also reassuring to know that there's people that you can reach out to for help when you need to. So staying active, of course, makes you feel more positive, less anxious or depressed. It raises your self-esteem um, and maintains your physical, mental and social skills. Um, so in terms of keeping active, um, some practical tips uh, that we try to encourage with our residents is just taking one step at a time. So something as simple as, um, you know, when you are uh, going to take a shower, um, when you are running the water, making sure that it's the right temperature. So taking everything a step at a time and making sure that any type of activity of daily living, that you are thinking about all these things. So what our staff try to do is that um, where you still need a couple of options that we give that to our residents. We try then to assist if they then can't do it for themselves. Um, and then also keeping certain things simple. So having um, a, a, a tablet dispensers or, you know, uh, um, like a pre-packed medication to say that on a Monday, this is how you can take your medication. So we try different things to make sure that our residents stay as independent as long as possible. Um, and also understanding for um, the individual um, that, at the end of the day, you need to do it at your at the right time. When you are not feeling well, don't do certain things. Reduce the distractions um, and look after your eyesight and hearing. We know that uh, for our residents, when when their hearing um, is is declining, that they are not engaging as much socially anymore. So it's important to to check your eyesight and your hearing um, regularly. Um, and when things are getting difficult, that there is someone that then can come in to assist. So um, with with us being a, 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 a community where we can provide different supports at different levels, for someone that's still living at home, um, that would then be where the family gets involved and assists with certain things, where it's those small things during the day that you need some assistance, reminding to, you know, uh, uh, your personal hygiene that, that those things are taken care of and that your medication is being taken. Um, but at the end of the day, that to try and not be too hard on yourself. I think we're going to have to leave it at there because we, we're out of time. But um, sure. I, I just want to thank you so much. And I, I, if one can just see from these clinical pills that you're giving us, uh, I mean, there's so much more to this topic and we can talk on and on. But it is amazing that how attention to detail is really what seems to be saving the situation here and, and, and making patients remain independent and as functional as long as possible in your facilities. Thank you for both to both of yes. you for sharing with us today what you have and it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Israel. Okay, wishing you all a Chag Sameach and a good Simchat Torah and we will see you next week on Diske Medical Mondays. Have a great day.